Hello, hello. Look who I found. Cheryl Shaw. Hello. Hello, Sarah. You are teeming with the theme today. You've got beautiful red glasses on and a beautiful red shirt. It very much suits you, Cheryl. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You look switched on and ready to go. <laughs> and Dr. Kimberly Earl, who's also got fabulous nails again this week, might I say. Back again this week. Yeah, yeah. look, we're ready to go. Cheryl, I believe if time permits, we're talking about hugging. Yeah, should you hug your dog or not? The heart wants to say yes, mm. but, you know, I know there's always a trick to these questions, so <laughs> I'll just reserve my answer. So welcome to the show, Cheryl. You're in Blackholes Park. What's your question today for Dr. Kimberly Earl? It's about my preferred dog. Uh, he's almost 10. His behaviour's changed quite dramatically, I feel. He used to run up to the fence with a toy in his mouth when the postman came and sort of barking through the toy. But now, no matter who goes past the front, a walker, a push bike, anyone, anything, um, he goes running up to the fence and he shakes his toy as though he's trying to kill something. You know that yeah. shaking of the head? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And is he barking and growling at the people or it's, he's just taking it out on his toy? He's just taking it out on his toy. Oh, well, that's a good thing at least. Um, you know, as dogs get older, they often develop different sort of behaviours and sometimes there's a level of, um, you know, sort of dementia or canine cognitive decline that happens. Um, often their anxiety level increases as well. So if he's feeling um, not necessarily threatened but maybe more protective, you might see some differing, you know, sort of behaviours as well. And... That it's that hard situation where you've got somebody coming up and then walking past, um, and it's sort of rewarding, it's sort of self rewarding for the dog because he's sort of feeling like this is my territory. I'll bark and carry on at you um, and chase you away, and of course that works every time because the people aren't intending to stop and and talk. They're they're just sort of keeping going. It's why mailmen unfortunately have such a um, a high rate of you know dog attacks and dog bites and things like that because um, the dogs are positively rewarded every time you know they. They think, yep, here, I, here we go, I'm going to chase you away. And, of course, it works. It chases yeah. them away. But that, that person was never really intending to stop. So, um, And the dogs don't understand that. So it is. It's a really tricky um, you know, sort of thing. I think it's probably good that the dog is taking it out on the toy, um, you know, that he's not sort of running up to the fence and, you know, sort of trying to really be aggressive towards the people. But you're obviously seeing a change in his demeanor. So we would, we would counsel usually to try... Um, not to let him practice that behavior where possible, put up a barrier, um, either visual or, you know, keep the dog in the, um, f you know, in the backyard or further back or in the house or something like that. Particularly if you know there's people coming by or you know what time your postie comes by. Um, so they don't sort of uh, get that sort of s the reinforcement of that behavior. The postman's okay. It's only when he'll stop and the dog's fine. The minute he starts to rev the engine... The dog goes crazy. Yeah, mm. not an uncommon story. We hear a lot of people, right. um, you know, sort of saying that the the little motorbikes or the um, electric vehicles that the dogs don't like that either. So, yeah. yeah, it's a bit tricky. Oh, look, Cheryl, thank you very much for the call. And uh, yeah, hopefully, does redirection eventually uh, stop them from doing it, Kimberly, or is it just a case if you constantly need to it just? It can, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's a work in progress yeah. um, and it's, it's a long process. And, you know, although her dogs, you know, you can always teach an old dog new tricks, but it takes a lot, you know, that dog's potentially been doing that behavior, um, 
in some form for a long, long, long time. So yeah, you know, direct, uh, redirect and distract them is ideally what you would do. Um, sometimes with posties, we tell people, you know, meet your postie and then get him to stop and give your dog treats and things. And it sounds like the dog's okay with the postie, but maybe doesn't like the noise of the doesn't, bike as doesn't well. Doesn't like that bike. No, no. I know. Not oh. uncommon. All right, Mandy, you're in Swansea. Now, uh, your dog is doing undesirable things like toileting in, inside at the moment. Try so tell me a little bit about it. What kind of dog? How old is it? Uh, there's two of them, and they're six years old. Yep. And I've only had them 12 months. I've rehomed them. And it's not all the time, just at sometimes the most inopportune times. And I think they invited some guests in a couple of weeks back. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. And it's so they're just, they're just not... Yeah, I missed that last bit. They're, they're not toileting outside as appropriate? Um... A lot of the time, yep. Yeah, but just not consistently. Mm, not consistently enough. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, they're relatively new in your household. Um, as long as there's no medical, underlying medical issues, and particularly if there's two of them, um, I would say we want to go back to treating them like puppies where they don't get unsupervised time, um, you know, just free reign in the house. Um, also, ideally, you're feeding them meals rather than just leaving food out all the time because you'll have a much better chance of predicting when they need to go to the toilet. But like a puppy, that often means that, you know, at those times, Times after they've eaten, you're going to need to take them out yourself and watch that they're doing their business. Um, and if they haven't, then they need to come back inside and be confined to a, um, you know, a smaller space um, where you can be supervising them. And remember that dogs are clean animals by nature. So most of the time, they don't want to soil where they sleep. So if you pop them into an area that's that's confined and smaller, and they're sort of, you know, that's that's where they're going to get to rest, then hopefully it'll give them some incentive to hang on to their body functions. And then when you're letting them out, you're not going to let them out free into the house. You're going to let them out straight outside, take them outside, try to get those um, body functions onto a command. Find, you know, you and the family decide on whatever the word is going to be, toilet or, you know, do your duties or whatever it is it's business time. business time yep go pee I just tell my dog to go pee for everything and she does that um, make sure everybody's using the right word but if you can put it on command which you often can by you know just repeating it over and over once they do their business lots and lots of praise and some treats yeah. um, and they'll get to know that um, then you've got a little bit better chance of you know putting them outside and telling them and and I often find it's when we're about to you know you've got to go out you've got to make that appointment you you yeah. put the dog outside you you maybe have rushed it a little bit and the dog was interested in sniffing around the borders and he didn't actually get past the distraction to the point where he went, oh, yeah, actually, i got to do this business. Um, <laughs> so then you've let them back in the house. You've headed out to your meeting and lo and behold, you come back to find a nice big smelly present on the tiles. <laughs> so, yeah, so try to put it on command because then you can send the dog out and say, do your business, do your business. Mommy's got to go. And hopefully they get they go, oh, yeah, right. OK, I'm out here for a reason. That's um, great. Yeah, thank you, Mary. <laughs> Andy, thank you for the call. Kimberly, I could have um, used you. You too, Cheryl. My bestie brought her Tibetan spaniel uh, for a visit mm -hmm. the other weekend, Seba. Um, he's been before when he was a very little puppy. Got on fine with Giz. That wasn't the problem. But he's not dissexed yet. If I cleaned oh, up one wee, no. I would have cleaned up about 15. My OCD <laughs> was through the roof. Uh, and... 
Hence to say, my friend's like, I don't know why he's doing this. I said, well, you should listen to Pet Chat. He's marking his territory. <laughs> he's totally marking his territory. He is marking territory, that house Jackie. smells like Gizzy. It doesn't smell like him. Mm. And so he's going to go in there and mark his territory on top. Yep. So, yes, that was um, mm. an experience. He's not invited back anytime <laughs> soon until he's dissexed. Oh, a big hello to Kimberly's mum. She's what she couldn't hear us before, but you've sorted her out, Kimberly. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds okay. good. Very good. Now, Cheryl, we're talking about hugging today and whether we should hug our pets because human nature, we love to, you know, a lot of us love to cuddle things and be affectionate, but is the right thing for the animal? Yeah. Let's talk about this one. All right. You know, as humans, you're right, Sarah. We do love to hug, and it's one of the ways that, um, you know, from our primate heritage that we've learnt to embrace and we come, you know, face to face, chest to chest. And that is um, that ventral hugging is what we do. And we want to do it with our children, but we need to be very careful when we're doing it with our pets because some pets don't like to be hugged. Now, the reason is that most pets, if they are being restrained, feel that they've got the need to to run. So that's their normal thing that a a dog will do. It's either that flight or fight situation. And so when you're embracing a dog, often you probably aren't even really aware of what the body language is that the dog's giving off. So you need to sort of either step back and watch what's happening when a dog's being hugged, particularly if it's your own dog. I have two dogs and one of mine enjoys a hug and the other doesn't. And you need to, to respect the dog that doesn't want to be hugged. There's other ways of giving affection other than hugging if the dog doesn't enjoy it so you know a pat you know on the chin on the on the back a belly rub all of those things can can give a dog the satisfaction and the love that you want to give to the dog and Cheryl what sort of things should we be looking for if a dog isn't enjoying a hug right here this is this is a great one that you can film because you can see then when you step back and watch it what's going on so one of the things is if the dog goes stiff the dog will just sort of freeze Ah. it's saying to you i'm not feeling comfortable about this another one is when the dog will turn its head slightly away from you so it's not having any eye contact and so it's sort of just turning off to one side it doesn't want to be in your face and you shouldn't be in its face either Another one is where the the ears have changed, so they're either pinning their ears right back or pulling them laying flat on the head. Um, The eyes, sometimes the eyes will go really wide, like a big moon eye, and they're sort of saying, hey, I'm really terrified at the moment. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm I'm really scared. So, and just feeling that if your dog is stiff, if it's not seeming to be enjoying it, you need to give it the space that it needs and doing more appropriate behaviour with that dog just to show that it's okay. So not every dog's a happy hugger. You, They yeah. will accept, some dogs will accept um, hugging from their family members or somebody that they're close with um, and others will just tolerate it. But you need to really be watching the dog's body language, what it's saying to you. And I guess it depends on uh, the relationship with the, the the owner and the dog, you know, it might be okay for for one of the family members to do it, but maybe it doesn't feel as comfortable with another family member. That's right. And sometimes with children as well, children are big huggers. I mean, you know, they hug their teddies, they hug everything around. And you've got to be really mindful that a child is often right in the face of the dog. And that sometimes if the dog isn't a, a, a hugging dog, they could be bitten. So we need to be respectful of the dog. And also, obviously, with children around dogs, we've always got to be be making sure that the dog is a suitable hugger. And it's interesting that one of your dogs loves it, Cheryl, mm. and the other one, yeah. no. 
Byron, you've just got to get to know the personality. Yeah, Avalon will sit really straight and just be like, oh, okay, but he doesn't really want that <laughs> he to doesn't happen. Want it. And Mystique, she'll jump up and, you know, she wants to dance and wrap her arms around you. She's very ventral, um, but Avalon, no way. So, yeah. And something interesting, um, which I was saying off air, is dogs can change and cats throughout their lifetime as they get older. For example, Gizmo, I guess he's more stiff. He doesn't feel as comfortable, can't see as well. He doesn't like hugs anymore, but he used to. So now it's a case of he'll come to us and just want to sit on our lap. That's when he wants his affection. Otherwise, we we don't, you know, bother him. Well, dogs are cursal, so they... they they will run if, or they need to be able to run if they think they're in trouble. So Gizmo, when he's being restrained as an old guy, can't jump up and run away anymore. So he's yeah. feeling more comfortable just to lay by you or on you. And yeah. it is. It's good to watch these signs because they can't say, hey, I don't like it. Yes. Stop it. Very important. Now, Deborah gave us a call in Cessnock. Uh, Kimberly, she has a 10-year-old rescue chihuahua whose lower jaw is trembling. Now, uh, she had to. She was at work, so she, she didn't want to go to air. But she said, is there anything you could possibly, uh, you know, could it be something? Could you give her a bit of a chat about what some of the issues could potentially be? So there's a few different things that come to mind when I hear that a chihuahua um, or any dog has lower jaw trembling. Um, Obviously, we don't have all the information. But um, so the sorts of things that I would be thinking. So we can get trembling. You know, some little dogs are anxious, they're nervous. And in certain situations, they will tremble. And that can include their lower jaw or any parts of the body. But, but you'll often sort of see that, that yeah. you know, in their legs and things that they're trembling too. We certainly see, we, we often describe jaw chattering. So sometimes if they've got some dental pain, if they've got a tooth root um, where the nerve is exposed, we'll often see some chattering. Oh. And sometimes it's when they put something in their mouth or when they have a drink of water, you'll see this chattering. But occasionally we'll just see it, you know, just randomly just standing there um i'll often look for for jaw chattering if i'm looking at a dog in a consult room and we have a look through their mouth and the owner's sort of saying oh i don't think the teeth are very good sometimes you just put a little bit of pressure on the lip or the gum beside that tooth and they right away will will sort of chatter their jaw so you know 10 year old chihuahuas unfortunately are not known for having the best dental hygiene um so it may be worthwhile having the little guy's jaw um or mouth checked out by a vet um and then i guess the other thing is a lot of chihuahuas we don't see that many long-haired chihuahuas um it's getting cold out so maybe there's a little bit of a you know a cold response there um if it's just the lower jaw it's you know it's a little bit unusual we can get focal um seizures happening sometimes and so again in a little old dog you could be starting to think is this dog developing a a focal seizure rather than a um you know a grand mal type seizure or something that might um also prompt a visit to the vet so you know it's a senior dog and there could be a few things we probably don't have enough information but it's never a bad idea to get your senior pet checked out by a vet and just make sure that there's no obvious medical issues um, and then go from there okay take a video of it too i think you know these days everybody's got an iphone or a smartphone so take a video and and take it along to your vet when you see that happening excellent Mm. 49216216 if you've got a question today let's have a look at our dog of the week and i will say it's a very good thing that todd Sargent is on his air safari or as i like to call it his top gun experience He is obsessed with Jack Russell's. Oh. He has. He even pulls over the car. He pulled over the car the other day to pat, ask if he could pat someone's Jack Russell. I mean, he's, he needs to get one. So today I think he would be in love with Oscar. Now, Oscar is an eight-year-old, five-kilogram silky terrier 
Maybe a Jack Russell. I reckon he, he would pass for Todd, though, as, as having some Jack Russell. He looks divine. <laughs> um, this babe is definitely a ladies' man. Oh, hello. He loves the females and lap time is his speciality. He does look like a schmoozer, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, he looks happy. He enjoys his walks and he's very playful. Oscar is great with kids of all ages. He would be fine as an old fur child, but he has learnt to live with and love his foster fur family. Um, uh, Oscar hasn't been tested with cats or pocket pets. Okay. Uh, he's been crate trained to sleep overnight. He's also learning to be house trained and it's going very well. He sounds like an all-round mm, great yeah. guy. Pretty little good. cutie. Got yeah. a little family and you're looking for a little dog. He's looking good. you got to go check out his picture at 2NURFM.com.au. He's got sort of like the, the cream caramel colour on top, but then he gets sort of brown at the back. He's a very cool colouring as well. So, look, go have a look if you're interested. Uh, it's got all of his adoption fees there. Of course, he's dissexed, vaccinated and treated for fleas, worms and microchipped. So please go have a look. Now, Kimberly, what you're seeing a little bit at, at the moment, uh, uh, animals coming in, pets coming in that, might have flea problems yeah so it's winter time we all know it's winter and it's cold here um we find more people through winter stop their pets regular um, parasite protection or prevention um, and that's fleas and ticks realistically i had a patient in this morning that was um strongly suspected of being a, a paralysis tick cat um oh. it's not we found something else but um you know the it's really important in this part of the world that we keep up with those important um, parasite preventions all year round. We absolutely will see ticks all year round in Newcastle, um, in in the region. Um, it's lower. We see lower numbers of them throughout winter, but we've absolutely had you know paralysis cases in the middle of winter without any difficulty. Um, and fleas, in particular, um, fleas. The the cold air doesn't stop them at all. Even when I was practicing in Canada, we would see dogs who were outside dogs going through a winter in Canada, and they would come into us in the clinic. And if you part the hair, you can see the, the fleas and the fleeter. And that, those so are dogs who are living anything. outside, yeah. you know, it's 20 below zero and they're outside. The fleas, they're, they're absolutely super strength. They're like little tiny superheroes, every single one of them. Um, and so th what happens is that people stop the parasite prevention through winter, which allows a buildup of particularly fleas in their environment. And fleas, oh. you know, they're not a major problem unless you're a little teeny tiny animal um, but they're really really hard to get rid of they're they're not easy um, I always have to tell clients that if you've got a flea infestation on a pet it's going to take four to six months minimum to get rid of that out of your home environment and out of your yard and things like that that's, and that's a lot of work it's a lot of work um, and it means that if you're not really really dedicated and you're not good at remembering to you know give them their monthlies or whatever every every time um, we've got some great products on the market Market now that will last for three to six months so um, have a chat with your local vet about it um, but if you're not really good at remembering it then you're not going to get rid of that uh, infestation and so for every flea you see on your dog or your cat that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a hundred more in the environment laying oh. eggs and a flea can lay a hundred thousand eggs in a short period of time. Wow. So it builds up really, really fast um, and then it takes a long, long time uh, to get rid of. And it's frustrating because your pets are itchy and you might be itchy because fleas will certainly feast on humans. They won't, mm. um, they won't, human blood won't sort of maintain an infestation. They won't sort of reproduce off of that, um, but they will. Dogs, uh, cats, rabbits, even some rodents and 
guinea pigs um, will keep that infestation going. So if you've got fleas, um, have a look, or if you're not sure, have a look down at the skin. Look and see if you can see little black specks of dirt. Often it's just, um, often you'll see it in little clumps, particularly around the, the tail base and things like that. Um, but that's flea dirt. It's basically the flea poop. And yeah. if you've got flea dirt on your dog, you have fleas on your dog, even if you can't see them. The fleas are pretty clever. They're fast and they move around, um, but you'll definitely see them. So it's worthwhile keeping up your flea protection so that you're not having to spend your summer you know, trying to eradicate that problem. And you were saying as well that, that you can't kill the flea eggs. They've yeah, got flea eggs are super, super resistant. So oh. any of the products that you use. So if you say, worst case scenario, Gizzy had a terrible flea infestation and you took him to your local vet and they said, oh my goodness, you've forgotten to put your monthlies on him. Um, so you're going to start doing that. So that's going to prevent the flea from, well, it'll, it'll often still let them feed depending on the product, but they won't be able to reproduce, okay? Um... But the trouble is, is that the eggs that are already there in your environment can live in a dormant state for up to six months, depending on the environmental conditions and nothing, no flea bombs, no sprays and vacuuming, nothing kills those eggs. You have to just wait for them to ripen and hatch out and then you can kill the other life stages, the pupae and the larvae and the fleas themselves. So, so it's a it case of prevention time. is the best <laughs> way to go. Prevention is the best cure. So just because it's winter... Don't lay off your flea and tick prevention. All right. Some good advice there, Dr. Kimberly Earl. Look, that's all we've got time for. Cheryl Shaw, thank you for popping in today. My pleasure. We didn't mention the badge. Let me just move the microphone so I can <laughs> see. Oh, it's a love heart. Mm-hmm. Is there cuddling happening in the middle? No, it's got Ugg written. Ugg. Which oh. is detest, so the dog doesn't want to be cuddled. Mm. I like how you've spun that today. Oh, gosh. Yep, that's very clever. Kimberly, thank you for coming in as well. You're very welcome. Look, that's uh, it for Pet Chat today. We are back same time next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.